Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. While renewable energy usually gets a lot of headlines, the United States is also making a play to win the global carbon management race. Over the last two years, the federal government has invested billions of dollars into the research and development of the carbon management sector. That industry, which is relatively young, aims to develop technology that captures carbon dioxide and transform it into a usable product or store it underground. These investments by the federal government give the U.S. an opportunity to be a leader in a technology that could become critical to fighting climate change. And that's turning heads around the world, since the United States has previously followed other countries when it comes to developing renewable technology. So today, Politico Zach Coleman on why the U.S. is investing in carbon management and how the industry and the rest of the world are responding. It's Friday, February 3rd. Zach, before we get into some of your reporting about the growth of carbon management, tell us about the current state of the sector and how it compares to technologies that we know have more penetrated the market, such as renewables. So there's a few types of technologies that are out there, but this basically refers to a process in which technologies pull carbon dioxide molecules that already exist in the atmosphere from the atmosphere and then take them out so they can't heat the planet anymore. There's also processes for speeding up the effect of mineralizing carbon dioxide. So the process by which rocks absorb carbon dioxide, that happens over long periods of time, but now there's technologies that are trying to speed that up. So they are again taken out of the atmosphere. And that's a little bit different than some of the other technologies we know about, like carbon capture utilization and sequestration, which is usually referring to point source capturing. So like when you take it directly from a smokestack after it's already trying to get into the air, this is pulling it from the air. This is doing something a little bit different. And the idea is that these will be the most stubborn carbon dioxide molecules to remove. There's some studies that show that we're going to need to eliminate 10 gigatons of carbon dioxide this way globally. That is a huge amount. So this is a very much a nascent stage here, but the amount of investment that's going into it is starting to skyrocket because of the scale of the problem. Wow. And then there were significant federal incentives and subsidies for the broad carbon management sector in both the bipartisan infrastructure law and inflation reduction act. So just how significant is this level of support compared to what we've done before and what are they designed to do? Well, keep in mind that the carbon management industry is about 2.1 billion of market capitalization across the world and the US Inflation Reduction Act and bipartisan infrastructure law are putting in billions of dollars to incentivize this technology. So we're talking about like a step change in new investment. This is huge. And in the IRA in particular is plussing up the 45Q tax credit, which again, a lot of us know that is going towards carbon capture, utilization, and storage. This is also going to go towards other types of carbon dioxide removal, like direct air capture, which is pulling carbon from the air. And you can get up to $180 a ton of CO2 if you use direct air capture and then turn it into a product or permanently store it with certain labor practices. So this is a huge amount of incentivization for this industry, and it is only set to skyrocket. And and we're doing it here in the U.S. in terms of the incentives more than any other place in the world. 
Right. And so how is that translating so far? I mean, what are you seeing talking to sources and from the industry since these two laws have passed as far as investments that are happening here, maybe partially at least as as a result of these incentives? And what would it mean for the U.S. to be really dominant on this technology? Yeah, I talked to a lot of smart people who are tracking this space, and I spoke to a couple of companies as well. I talked to Climeworks, which is based in Zurich, Switzerland, and I talked to 41.01, which is the molecular weight of carbon dioxide. And that is a company based in Oman. And they both told me that because of these incentives, they are looking to expand into the US. Because if you start doing these projects here, you can actually get paid for it. I mean, this is starting to pencil out financially for a lot of these companies that have huge startup costs. Like These are enormous risks because the technology is not there yet. It is, they're not making money. Like These are companies that are backed by venture capital that are going to eventually want to return on their investment. And one way to get an earlier return and to scale up is by getting subsidies. And that is certainly something that they're looking into with the U.S. because it's also creating this market concentration in the U.S. There's not a agreed upon standard for measuring how long and how well this carbon is stored permanently is different than carbon offsets. There's kind of a different way to measure the effectiveness of this technology. So the idea is with these incentives, not only can you make money, but you're also creating a sort of market for testing this out and how well it can work long term. And how is the rest of the world reacting to this significant investment that the U.S. is making into carbon management? We know generally there's been some tensions, right, with Europe on our incentive approach. So what does it look like for carbon management? Yeah, I mean, this is different than the renewable space where you have mature incumbent champions in sophisticated supply chains. So our subsidies through the IRA and through the bipartisan infrastructure law that were geared towards getting the renewables companies back to the US, or it's a different kind of goal. Here, this is a fresh slate. There aren't enormous champions here because everyone is pretty new. So it's actually starting to locate the industry here. I mean, this is where if you're an innovator or an entrepreneur, you're going to start to look at the US as a major place to base your operations or to even open up a US branch and build jobs here. So a lot of people in Europe are saying, well, we're going to lose out on what could be a multi-million billion dollar industry. And we need to think about ways that we can incentivize our own homegrown players like Climeworks in, in Zurich, Switzerland, to build out their base here rather than having to feel like they need to go to the US because we also want to be champions in Europe. And our colleague in Europe, Federica Desario, uh, talked to some people there in Brussels who are in the carbon management space, in the policy space, that, and they are worried about what they said was a brain drain towards the US. And they are encouraging Europe to come up with their own sort of incentives and subsidies to keep companies there as well. Also, Deputy Energy Secretary David Turk spent Thursday disputing allegations that DOE has provided money to companies for operations in China. And he defended the Biden administration's handling of funding to expand domestic battery production. At a Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee hearing, lawmakers from both parties questioned Turk about whether DOE had allocated money to China, which already dominates the supply chains for many clean technologies, including battery manufacturing. The Energy Department is currently under scrutiny for a preliminary $200 million award through the bipartisan infrastructure law to a company called Microvast, a U.S. company that has an operating subsidiary in China and wants to build a manufacturing facility in Tennessee. 
Turk said Thursday there are no taxpayer funds going to Microvast or any of the other 20 companies right now, which refers to the broader group of companies whose prospective awards have drawn scrutiny. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Norma Malaykel is the podcast producer. Raghu Manavalan edited the show this week. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.